Hello, everyone. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor for this month, the Honors College at Belmont Abbey. The Honors College brings the good, the true, and the beautiful to the next generation of leaders. With this great books-based program, the Honors College enlightens and challenges young minds, while also preparing them for a fruitful life. Students can major in the great books or choose a professional major founded on those classic texts. With SCOLA, its summer high school program in July, high school students get a taste of the experience combined with the great outdoors, fun, and friendship. Discover the world through a critical eye on this all-encompassing journey. The Honors College of Belmont Abbey, a life well-lived awaits. Visit them at www.bac.edu backslash honors. And now on to this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Quiddity on the Circe Podcast Network, where we engage in the classical spirit of inquiry. I'm your guide, Brandon LeBlanc. Joining me today is Christine Meridian. Uh, Christine established Greystone Academy, a classical and Christian hybrid school in Newtown, Pennsylvania in 2010. It offers a complete high school curriculum to homeschool students and offers college credit through Cairn University. She has previously taught literature, English grammar, composition uh, at the school, and she's a veteran homeschooling parent of four, graduating her own youngest in 2017. Christine also completed the Cersei Apprenticeship Program in 2015 and has served for the last several years as the head mentor for the Mid-Atlantic section. She has a BS in psychology and an MS in organizational psychology from Southern Methodist University and a master's of liberal arts from St. John's. So she's a Johnny. Christine, thank you Mm -hmm. for joining us. Thank you very much, Brandon. Really excited to have you here. um, Talk about some kind of unique experiences you've had uh, in the classical education world and hopefully help some folks out who are facing some similar challenges or looking for some uh, new options uh, and alternatives for in the classical education world. So so one thing folks who may not know you well may not know is that one of your own children um, had special mm-hmm. needs as you were homeschooling your children. Um, yes. um, if you want to tell us a little bit about, about uh, them and the, and the challenges you were facing, and then we can kind of talk about how what that looked like to classically educate in that. Uh, environment or sure. that my child's uh specific special needs is he's on the autistic spectrum autistic spectrum disorder um he's now 28 so if anyone is familiar with the autistic spectrum disorder many things have changed in the last 28 years especially <laughs> nothing about the children but about um how we how we define this yes and uh so he was defined with a pervasive developmental disorder or high-functioning autism back in um, when he was four years old, 20, 24 years ago. And today, and then there was Asperger's, a separate thing. And today, here we are, 24 years later, and the new DSM has, has designated this disorder as one thing, the autistic spectrum disorder, and they've included everything under it, all these little segmented things that mm-hmm. <laughs> you parents know about, um, and which... I knew, and many of us did know, it's all the same thing. It's just different degrees and different manifestations. So I think this was an important um, change because helping these young people is similar. And if we can take and learn from each other and and take a similar approach and realize these these kids are more alike, Mm -hmm. they're not in these little segments, and um, it helps us to to work together, I think. I'll tell you the story about uh, 
how how things started. But I have an uh, uh, an older son who was very typical or or advanced in his um, ability to take tests and engage in all the appropriate things at a very young age. And so the local classical Christian school was very eager to have him uh, when it was time for him to go to school. And I realized that my second son would not even get in. Mm-hmm. And it's not because he's not intelligent, but if you know an autistic person, they they hear a different tune in their head <laughs> than mm-hmm. the rest of us hear. I really think that's all it is. So they they act very different, but mm-hmm. um, they're very intelligent in their own way. But my second son does not do well on a standardized test because he doesn't think in the average way. Um, so there's, you know, there's wonderful beauty in these young people, but they do have a lot of challenges. So I realized my two boys would not be going to the same school. Mm-hmm. So this kind of started me on this journey of, I'm not sure I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I eventually brought him home. It's a lot longer story than that, but I eventually brought him home. And I eventually brought all the children home. I, I, I've raised four children, homeschooled and all. And um, it was it was a very good experience. It was the right thing, especially for my special needs child. I'm sure some of the parents out there who have children with special needs may may have a better understanding. But um, if you could maybe just speak a little bit to some of the some of the challenges and specific challenges that as you tried to homeschool and tried to school uh, educate classically that that arose for you when dealing with a special needs child. Okay, Brandon, that's a very good question, because the first thing you think you have to throw out the window is the hope for a classical education. Absolutely not. If it's good for the best and the brightest, which is my oldest, um, it's good for those of us who think differently also. Um, It is the best education. It will sink in in different ways in everyone, no matter what their IQ or ability to test is. Mm -hmm. Um, so hang on to your classical education. You Good. don't need to change your curriculum. You don't need to buy special stuff. Be very reluctant to pay anyone anything to help your child. Do it yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, and I will just share some ideas with you. Um, I, I I do not have five steps to educating your special needs child. No sure. way. Um, it is more of an attitude or a philosophy in how you approach them differently. Um, I would say the first thing that is important is to know your child. They are different from the children around them. I don't know the exact percentage of of autistic among the the population because the diagnosis has rocketed up. I don't think personally there are more autistic people out there. We're just recognizing it. Right. And, And in one sense, that is a good thing because we're helping them engage in society a little better. But I really don't think there's an epidemic or something's changed. We're just being more sensitive to who they are. And then I don't, there's an a economist named Thomas Sowell out at Stanford, and he raised an autistic child. And he inspired me early on. I lived in California when uh, my son was diagnosed. And um, I read in one of Sowell's books, he said, if you have an aut- autistic child, take him with you everywhere you go. Mm. And that doesn't mean taking to the football game or the rave dance or whatever where they would think that an autistic child cannot stand, but take him to the library, take him to the grocery, just instead of leaving him home because it might be easier, mm-hmm. take him with you. Mm-hmm. They need the experience of the world. 
the and like I say, know your child. I can't. It, all autistic people don't act exactly the same, but they tend to be very sensitive to light, sound, touch, taste, overly. Like think ten times what the average child would be. So when they scream because they get a pickle in their mouth, you know, don't get angry. Just help them get the pickle out. <laughs> um, uh, and when they need to be meticulous and slow with their work, let them be. Because it's very hard for them to change. And there's nothing wrong with meticulous and slow. They are never going to be the um, the speed, you know, multiplying champion. Mm-hmm. That, you, know, you know, and speed tests, they do not do well on. There is merit to being able to do things quickly. There's wonderful merit in that. But not everyone can do it. And let them, I would say, give give them a break, back off. The speed test of the multiplication tables, as long as they learn them <laughs> to many speed they want to. Um, know that these children do not engage with society well. It is a good thing to try to encourage them and to, like Sowell said, take them with you everywhere you go. So mm-hmm. they get exposure, but they will not like a party. Um, they don't want to be in a big group. I've seen many parents say, well, we have to fix this. We'll just have to get the child used to it. So they t- take them to lots of parties, and all it does is cause them anxiety. It doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is some of the behaviors. I think mm-hmm. the behaviors, I'm trying to focus this more on how to educate, but I think you need to understand the behaviors so you can sure. educate better. Um, they will not engage in society well, which also means they will not have very many friends. At first, this breaks your heart. And they want friends. But think about one or two, maybe one, <laughs> one friend. And be creative about who that might be. I found that my son, being a gentle soul and not liking wild things, was gone along better with girls. I would notice his cousin, who was just his age, would come over, and they would be happy as could be, sit at the piano and play, Mm -hmm. did not want to roll around and wrestle and punch. So be open to who those those friends might be. Um, Some cautions. They will be a target. It is very sad, but especially um, young people, especially young males, have this, I don't know, (laughs) natural instinct to pursue things. And the autistic child is often a target of teasing, torment. um, And this is not a reason to keep them out of society, but need to be aware of it. And I've seen it happen multiple times with my son. and it has, and I'm sure there have been times it didn't happen. I mean, it happened and I didn't see it. And it has caused him sadness and damage. Um, so just know that. Um, and um, facilitating situations where they can interact and defend themselves emotionally and even physically. Um, they are, um, they're so trusting. They aren't suspicious of what other people are up to. Um, all right, so knowing that your child is going to be different, I think accepting that is good. These children are sweet and wonderful. Very often they have um, their talents are concentrated. My son is very musical. Um, um, 
So encourage those things. They do like order and rules. Monopolize on that. They, they, um, spelling, vocabulary, uh, you know, memorize all the bones of the body, <laughs> things like that. They will do very well at that and make them feel victorious. So sure. those things are good. They like things that are ordered. Memorizing the president's in order. <laughs> These are things they, they can do well. So if you're going to homeschool this special needs child, what, what do you do? I do find that it, it, some outside help is valuable at times. Some specialized people and carefully select them because of many people who want to charge you $1,000 to fix your child. Um, but a language therapist I found very helpful. Okay. And it's not for speech. It's for language concept, language theory, ordering ideas. And she would come into the house once a week or twice, and they would just work on further and further. Well, she started with a very, very simple idea of order, put these pictures in order, make mm -hmm. the story work. And these are the kinds of things they don't naturally do well. And so she worked on that. She had great success with him. And she did say to me one day that this child is the happiest and best adjusted child she works with. And I think it has to do with the fact that I um, I did not try to push him out into the world. Mm -hmm. I don't think it works. So same curriculum. Um, reading classic literature, reading to them. Um, they are just as capable to get the, uh, to accomplish these things. It could be more slowly. Mm -hmm. Probably a lot of us need to slow down anyways <laughs> with our reading. So that, yes, that is one thing I encourage at, at Greystone for all the students to slow down, to work more slowly. We will write an essay over several weeks They'll work on a part of it, come back, work on another part and come back, rewrite it instead of dashing out 15 essays that are where you don't learn anything from right. one to the next. So these kids are, they can learn, they can be very creative. It's helpful to find places that they win, that they do excel and to, to let them uh, work on those even more so. And they do manifest these unusual qualities. But like I said, my oldest was, you know, gazelle child or whatever. And uh, he was very interested in the Harry Potter books. They had just come out. And he was seven years old. And I was reading it to him. And I wouldn't read for long enough stretches. Mm. So he finally picked the book up and read it himself. And <laughs> it's not enough with you, Mom. At seven years old, he's going to read Harry Potter, um, which he did. He did very well. Now, you know, my second child. I was teaching him to read and I thought he was getting, I was just teaching him his letters. I mm. thought he was getting nothing. And we finally picked up the little set of Bob books. It never sounded out a word before read them front to back all 12 books in one sitting. It's called spontaneous reading. And I'd never seen it before. <laughs> I was, you know, amazed. He could read, he could read the wall street journal. He could read anything. He didn't mm. know what he was reading though. His comprehension was not there. I see. So um, a quality will manifest in one way. You think, oh, he's great. He can read anything. But ask him what he was reading about. He might not help. Okay. So the things you need to work on, you need to kind of dig for them and and be aware and, and attentive um, 
And so we spent a lot of time, and that's where the language therapist came in. So we could mm-hmm. keep consecutive ideas going and make them link to each other. Um, but much progress was made with, with that. Some aspects of the, the, the mind of the autistic person. There is this concept of theory of mind. And that means our ability to understand what the other person is feeling and to maybe anticipate how they might act and maybe even, I'm not using the word manipulate in a negative way, but, you know, manipulate, manage my behavior according to how they might be feeling. Mm -hmm. This is where an autistic mind is lacking. They don't have this theory of mind. They cannot imagine how you might be feeling. This comes across as maybe unkind at times, but they really don't know. Mm-hmm. An example, a physical example is, you know, one uh, the autistic child might hit another child. The child says, "Oh, that hurts." The autistic child says, "No, it doesn't," because they they aren't. They, it doesn't hurt the autistic child. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't hurt right. me to punch you, <laughs> right? Uh, so. And and it helps to understand this. They really don't get it, that other people are having a different emotion from theirs. Mm-hmm. And this is a good thing to help them learn, um, practice, and to help them be more accepted among others um, so that uh, to, to practice this theory of mind. Imagine how someone else might be feeling, whereas other children just pick it up. The, the autistic sure. child does not. Christine, you, you you started off talking about uh, or uh, encouraging parents not to uh, drop classical education because they think that yes. their especially child can't do it. Um, mm-hmm. Your son's twenty eight now. He, he's mm-hmm. on the back end of his homeschooling, or he's past the back end of his homeschooling with you. Yep. Um, I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about how you've seen the value of a classical education in his life now that he's started young adulthood. Okay, this is a wonderful story. He finished high school. He's very musical, but he'd done all the classical studies, the reading, um, you know, Dante and the epics, and was very interested in them. And he thought he might want to go to music school or to St. John's College, which is a classics school. So I let him explore both of them. And he said, which one should I do? And I said, that's only only you can answer that. He said, if I don't go to music school, I won't be a musician. Well, I won't get a job as a musician. But if I don't go to St. John's, I'll never know anything. <laughs> so he was very aware. The, the classical education he was given made him aware there's something to know that is mm. valuable. And he said, I love um, the classics. And he finally chose to go to St. John's. So my <laughs> autistic son... Went graduated from St. John's College in Annapolis, and which was fantastic in itself. Um, he's now in a master's program. It is still a struggle. Sure, the needs change as age changes. So he's he's actually having quite a struggle now. But he's taking one class at a time in a music therapy program. Uh, he loves it. He wants to finish. He's very desirous to get it done. I think he'd be a wonderful music therapist, combining everything he's learned. Um, but absolutely, if I had given up on the classical education, I don't think he would have felt that way. He loved his education at St. John's. 
Yes, he had trouble. He wasn't the star student, but that's okay. We don't have to be the star student. Um, most of the people God uses aren't the star student. <laughs> um, and um, we were having a question just a conversation just the other day, and I was, you know, since he's still struggling, and I said to him, Jack, I, I don't know if I did the right thing homeschooling you, and he said, Oh, you did, Mom. That was the right thing for me. And he thanked me for it and described why. So because it was quiet at home. I could do things at my own speed. I could do what I wanted to do. And he said, you provided a really wonderful atmosphere for me. So there's nothing more a mother wants to hear than that. Yes. Yes. Thank um, you. Hopefully that'll be encouraging to people who are maybe at the beginning of this journey with a student or child. So thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, like I said, the ability for this content, this classical philosophy, classical content, the richness of this classical literature, it sinks in. Mm -hmm. I tell you, I have four children, and and I think he is the wisest, the best hmm. educated of all of them. Hmm. I, I I don't know what what success as a human means. People measure it in such different ways, um, but I think he's a, a, quite a success. So. Well, um, I, so it for, absolutely paid off. And I'm so glad I did not give up on it. For my measure, I, I, I would, in our measure, I think at Cersei, it's 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 a virtue and wisdom. So if that's the path and he's on, then then good for him. Hopefully, hopefully there is a growing willingness to to uh, accommodate special needs students uh, in the classroom. Uh, you have highlighted some of the the, the benefits, the the um, advantages to being able to to work at home with a student uh, who needs a different pace or, or whatever it might be. But for those schools who are trying to accommodate, or for teachers who find themselves with special needs students in their classrooms, um, do you have some advice for them in in that setting, uh, what that might look like, or how it might be a little different? I do have a couple of things to comment on about this. First, back up just a bit is where I started with my oldest son would be getting into this fancy classical Christian school and my second son would not because they want to take successful students. I think there's a place for that and I'm not criticizing it. And it, it, it provides a competitive environment and there's advantage to competitive environments. Um, but what do we do with this other section of the population? quite able to be educated, do we ship them off to the public school? They're not going to get a good education there. And this person, my second son, who is now, you know, has wonderful philosophical outlook on the world, and we need his kind of thinking in this world more and more, um, he would not be where he was, where he is, if I had done that. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't want our classical Christian movement to abandon this section. Of the population. So I encourage classical schools to find a way to draw them in. It's a, it's expensive. Um, I know it's a problem, but uh, places like Greystone Academy, and I hope there are more out there, hybrid school meet two to three days a week. Class sizes are very small so that people, uh, student and teacher can interact on a one-on-one -on -one basis and um, accommodate speeds and uh, expectations to the student. So that is what needs to be done. I'm not saying that should be demanded of every school. I think some schools should have their freedom to be competitive, take the highest scoring students and let them compete it out. 
that I think that builds a certain kind of character, but that will not do for these students. Um, and and so they need a they need a um, uh, a separate environment. If you find yourself a teacher in a classroom where you have students of different needs, and I'm speaking specifically to the autistic guys, there's all kinds of special needs out there, but um, sure. know that, and we have had some at Greystone, know, get to know what the autistic um, mindset is like. I've tried to describe a little bit of it, this theory of mind. They, they lack, it seems to, that they lack compassion they really don't. Once they're made aware that they've hurt someone, they could be the most compassionate of anyone, but they don't get it. They mm-hmm, cannot mm-hmm. understand that anyone feels differently than they feel. Um, so I would say the best thing to do is to know, to, is try to understand that autistic mindset. And if you're the teacher, you don't have a lot of control over over curriculum or, or expectations, but I would request, I would pursue accommodations. They need to move more slowly. I did have my son in a classical Christian school at one point and took him out (laughs) because he's meticulous and he was writing down his spelling words. And when the bell rang for recess, he didn't have his words finished. And so he could not go outside. Exactly what he needed, a break or interact a little bit. He had to sit inside, be punished, and he had no idea why. Mm-hmm. So be sensitive to that. I think he got more hurtful interactions from teachers who didn't understand autism. Um, and it wasn't necessary. He was not being um, defiant. They like order and rules. They will do their very best to follow them. I'm not saying everybody's exactly the same, but there seems to be a similarity. They are not impulsive. They are very deliberate about what they do. Um, abstract thinking and abstract words can be difficult. Just know that at a younger age, uh, like um, prepositions. If you think about it, the concept of under or around, you have to act it out <laughs> if someone doesn't understand what you mean. So we would do that with Jack. We would place someone in a position of under and and try to get him to understand what it meant and um, or over or go around the table. So be patient, um, be creative, get to know, get to know the individual, get to know their mind and um, ask for resources. And it depends greatly on what your situation is. If you have the ability to modify your own resource that sources, then I would uh, would definitely do that in the sense of primarily of slowing down and providing a quiet environment and accommodating meticulousness. <laughs> uh, you mentioned now a couple of times that the school you, you, you started and are involved with there in Pennsylvania, uh, Greystone Academy. It's a hybrid model school. Mm-hmm. First, could you give us just a little bit of background on what, how you were involved with starting that uh, there in Pennsylvania? Yes. So I was, I was talking an hour ago with someone else about this. Um, I began to need to bring people in to help me with homeschooling my kids. Someone mm-hmm. came in for Latin. Someone came in for math. And I realized, I bet other families need this kind of thing. They get to a certain age and maybe you feel you can't quite explain the math. Or you don't know it well enough yourself. Or I wasn't taught Latin. So I would like them to have someone 
who can who can teach them. And so I thought, well, why don't I just form a group, uh, a school, and and bring in teachers there and use a whole do a whole classroom for this instead of having one on one tutoring going on. And that was the start, just a, a need for me to uh, outsource some of the work. And it actually, there were so many other benefits um, that uh, it gave students, you know, this was primarily high school, you know, seventh through 12th grade. And um, it gave them a, a way to interact with other students. They're very much interested in that in those ages. And and it gave them a somewhat controlled, like a half step out into the world. It gave them another authority figure to be responsible to, you know, the individual teachers, someone else's um, timeline someone else's requirements that they needed to meet and to learn to respect a legitimate authority um, other than family and parents. So that was, um, that's how uh, Greystone started. Now, at the same time, I joined the uh, CRC apprenticeship program as a, as an apprentice. When you're an apprentice, you're supposed to be teaching lost tools. So I took that assignment very seriously and started a school where I was teaching lost <laughs> tools. Um, <laughs> I, I've noticed that not everyone takes it quite that seriously. <laughs> no, we don't. They don't. I thought they were supposed school. to start a school. Right. But uh, that's good also. So uh, the same year, I started Greystone and started the apprenticeship. And um, uh, let's see, what specifically do we want to uh, share about Greystone? That uh, because of my experience, Greystone is open to any student who can who will come there and behave themselves and try hard. You do not have to pass any kind of test. Uh, uh, we have a, a website you can look at, graystoneacademy.org, kind of presents our philosophy in more detail. But um, anyone who wants to come to us, we will help you move from where you are to the next step. So our students in composition in the Lost Tools class, we will have these top-notch, college-bound, writing right college students already to those who are still trying to organize a paragraph. They could be in the same classroom, but because the class is small, because we are anticipating this and we don't mind moderating, you know, student A is supposed to write seven essays and revise them four times and, you know, high demands. Student B has a completely different set of expectations mm -hmm. and it disturbs students sometimes on both ends. And we just have to get them used to that. We're all working at a different pace. We are all different. We're all unique human beings. And our goal is to step, is to progress. Right. Yeah, that Not was one to of show the, off. Years ago, before I worked here, uh, one of the things I think I heard from Andrew for, you know, the, 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 it's always just, what's the next thing for that student? And it's for that student. For some students, the next thing is getting this, you know, learning how to do a metaphor. And for some things, the next student is, a much higher level of polish on their, on their essay. And so, you know, mm -hmm. um, and so it's always the next thing. And I think that was early on our, in our own homeschooling, that became such an important thing for my wife. And uh, she did most of that. Um, but for us, the family that, you know, it's, we're on that schedule. It's the next thing for the, the next, for that kid. So that's important. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Um, I think, uh, you know, the, the hybrid school model is a, is a, a growing segment uh, in classical education and, you know, one of the things that's wonderful is there's lots of different options out there, both from five-day schools to to co-ops to just uh, to online classes and and homeschooling your kids and um, lots of different ways that we're approaching 
the actual instruction, um, which I think is great. Uh, you know, so people in different circumstances feel like they have access to classical education. In particular, uh, you know, with the hybrid model, um, what do you think are some of the specific benefits and maybe challenges for someone who is either considering one of those schools for their kids or considering starting one in their area, things like that? Mm -hmm. um, that's a very good question. And I first want to say that I think a variety of educational op options are important in our in our world. And there isn't one correct way to educate children. I think there is probably a correct place for a, a particular child to be. And I also think we should stay open year to year, season to season, as to where we're going to place our children and how we're going to interact with our students. So homeschooling might be correct for a while. Private school might be correct for a while. Um, so stay, stay, hold this with an open hand. Let's find mm, the best mm -hmm. thing. Uh, so uh, I think a hybrid school can be the best thing for certain students. And so it's one offering. Um, the benefits, I, as we describe on our, our webpage, it offers the benefits of a private school with the flexibility of homeschooling. Mm -hmm. You might say the structure of a private school with the flexibility of homeschooling. Another thing that, that Greystone offers, and I think most hybrid schools are like this, is it, it gives the parents a break. There are some co-ops out there where the parents get in there and they, they're just all working together. But what part of what I want to do is take the load off of some parents. Here, let us teach calculus. It's mm -hmm. hard. And you don't even have to, your students have, don't have to go back to you and ask you questions. We're here to answer questions during the week. We will take this and we'll let you know if we need your help. <laughs> if they're not, you know, working, if they're not doing anything, but don't worry about it. We're, we, you know, just maintain the household environment. <laughs> um, so that aspect is, is unique. Um, the fact that we will modify the program for the student is unique. Uh, small class sizes. Uh, that is essential to this hybrid model, I think, um, and to accommodating all types of students, students with different learning styles, students with different uh, capabilities. If your class is small, you can um, work with, like I say, 10 or under. 10 students or under. My philosophy is Jesus had 12 and one of them flunked. So <laughs> what do I think I'm doing? Put 20 kids in the classroom. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> that should, so be, should be on a mug for teachers, I think. Yes, absolutely. Or for whoever's putting 20 or 25 or 30 kids in a classroom. Jesus had um, 12, one flunked. I'll take 10. <laughs> exactly. I, maybe I can do that. Um, but anyway, I think it's important because you can work one on one with 10 students. You can have a different plan for each one. You've got 30 students. You can barely have the same plan and get it done. Um, so it's it's a, it's an expensive model. However, I have made it very economical for the families. That was another part of my goal. I don't know if all the hybrid schools, if that's their goal, but I wanted people to be able to use this, get a break as a homeschooler uh, parent and be able to afford it at the same time. So, and I think if we work with, with churches and facilities that offer those facilities at a very low rate, we can we can provide these. Another thing the classical Christian schools happen to do, it's not a criticism, but it just happens, is they are a segment of the population they draw from is the, the more wealthy. 
because they're expensive. And so mm-hmm. that also takes a segment of our, our students out. And, you know, if, if this is the best education, they're not getting it. Um, so a, a hybrid school offers that good education at a much lower rate. Um, no, we do not have football teams or swimming pools. Um, but you can get creative and do that sort of thing in another way, as homeschoolers know how to do. So we were talking about the pros and cons of the a hybrid school. Any specific questions about that? Um, you know, s- sometimes small is not what students want. They want a bigger atmosphere. Um, but we are we were big enough to put on a play every year, full costumes, um, and they were fabulous. Um, we would do poetry recitation through Poetry Out Loud, and it gave the students an audience, and it it was challenging enough. So there's nothing wrong with small. I think Wendell Berry would agree with that. Keeping things small is manageable, more personal, more family-like. Um, uh, so I, I think keeping the class small, keeping the school small, and keeping the press small. Um, so, um, yes, and um, Greystone just uh, keeps going. We started in 2012. I didn't realize it would last this long. My my students, <laughs> my my youngest is out of college and working, and so it's we're still going. Um, well, that's great. But it is time to pass it on to the the younger ones. So I'm I'm still managing from afar. Well. Um... I know it's also important to you for for parents and teachers to continue their own education and their own uh, improvement. And as we've mentioned a couple of times already, you um, you both are a graduate of the Cersei Apprenticeship Program, but now are the uh, head mentor of our Mid-Atlantic Program. Um, mm-hmm. For those out there who are interested in our apprenticeship program, you can see kind of the specifics of the, the program in general. It has, but it meets at several different locations around the country with different head mentors uh, in each one kind of has its own uh, unique flavor, meets someplace different, has their own little practices and traditions to go along with the main part of the uh, the the pedagogical training there. So I thought, uh, Christina, I could just give you a chance to talk a little bit about um, where your program is located, uh, where you meet th- the, during the two times in the year, and just a little bit more about uh, your group. Okay. You bet. And I think, uh, Brandon, you started with the need to continue um, your own education. I call it something we call it is mother culture or um, um, education, educating ourselves, um, continued education or living the life of learning. So I think we should never give up. Mm-hmm. We never think we're finished. You can just do this at home reading or with your small local book groups. But I think a more formal approach is excellent. The CRC apprenticeship is one excellent way to continue to expand your liberal education uh, while you're homeschooling, it's designed for people that are working. It's not a full-time uh, program. And uh, we meet twice a year. We meet once at the end of the summer and once in February. Um, the Mid-Atlantic program has been kind of jumping around to different locations, probably because there's so many beautiful locations around here. Um, <laughs> we'll be meeting at the Malvern Retreat Center in the summer which is very close to me, very close to the airport here in a beautiful area of um, Pennsylvania, kind of near the colleges, Villanova, Bryn Mawr, okay. all of those. And it's a beautiful uh, retreat center in the in the Pennsylvania woods. 
Um, but at times we go to Annapolis. That's where St. John's College is. And um, because the students love it, the, or the apprentices love it there. And um, and we have some good accommodations there also. And it's a very it's pretty a, old historic town. Yeah, it's a fun little town to be in, too. Yeah. Yes. I did want to um, um, share something with you. I have some. I have a notebook I keep. And I have, as the apprentices reach their last retreat, I ask them to write something to a new apprentice in this notebook. And I've been gathering them for years. And I just thought I might read one or two. Um, this is an apprentice. She's about to, to graduate. And she says, if you are considering this program, the Mid-Atlantic Apprenticeship Program, prepare to join a feast for the soul, the body, and the mind. Make no mistake. You will be stretched in surprising and wonderful ways. Be humble. Be brave. So uh, I love that. If that describes the Mid-Atlantic program, uh, yeah, I've been success there. Um, and the, the other comments are are very similar uh, with the um, this another graduate says minutes into my first retreat, I knew I had stepped into something beautiful. I looked around and saw people who valued transparency, beauty and growth. I saw people moved by the scriptures, the big ideas, and the favor of God. I saw curiosity, humility, and a love of wisdom. People had read books and thought about things and ideas I was a stranger to. I felt very small, but unspeakably grateful to have a seat at the table. So uh, these are these are the people who've spent three years with us, and it is the group environment that adds this richness. It is the... Um, the pod of people that you spend these three years with while we're not together that much, they're online together and we make um, small groups within the larger group for them to interact with. Um, it's as much the uh, fellowship as the reading, as the writing and the discussions. Um, they, they all work together. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, my wife and I are both graduates of the program, but at different locations with different head mentors and, uh, what's always such a joy to see when we kind of all get together at, at either at Cersei conferences or at, uh, there's, there's often a gathering of the, of the apprentices and graduates as well. Um, mm -hmm. is there's, there's clearly a shared kind of experience of the, the training and the, and the readings. Um, mm -hmm. and then, but then each group having its own, its own, uh, little, little smaller community as well, um, with traditions and histories mm -hmm. and, um, fun shared stories. Mm -hmm. So uh, thanks for sharing yours with us. Um, uh, I hope people out there who are interested in the apprenticeship program or uh, just interested in continuing their own education and learning uh, would will take a look. Um, and, if, and if Christine's is in your neck of the woods or you just want to go visit that neck of the woods, um, the, yeah. uh, take, take a look and, and, and let us know. Um, it's a, it's a pretty place to be heading into the school year each year. And, and then the, midway through the year taking a break so mm -hmm. my my one trip to annapolis was in january a few years ago uh for an event with clt and it was it was lovely lovely place to be that time of year so right yeah it's it's beautiful town so we i suppose if we still have apprentices that keep requesting we go back there we will i mean i, I love yeah. to go back so well and the the woods of pennsylvania sounds pretty nice too so uh lots of good options it's, there Right. It's beautiful. So well, did you have anything else you'd like to share just about some of your experiences? Um, 
just that uh, continuing the, you know, the self uh, growth. There are many, you know, the apprenticeship is great. Uh, after the apprenticeship, um, after taking it myself and getting my students graduated, I did go back to a full master's program, which, and there are many schools that are offering these these days, and many of them are online. So you can mm-hmm. still be at home and do this. And I, I encourage the, the deep um, uh, intellectual stimulation with uh, 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 with just the readings and writings that these uh, master's programs offer. That's great. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing a little about your own personal story. Um, uh, I feel like there's a lot of encouragement there for for parents and teachers who are uh, mm-hmm. facing the challenge of of wanting to give a a child with special needs a classical education. Um, a lot of great information too on the hybrid model as an option, and then um, just continued education for all of us. So, really appreciate you joining us today. Very good. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you all for joining us on Quiddity as we refresh ourselves at Systems of Learning dug long ago, drawing from springs too deep for taint. You can send your questions and comments to podcast at searchinginstitute.org. Uh, I'll put a few links in the show notes for today's episode, uh, including uh, graystoneacademy.org. You can join the Quiddity conversation on the Searcy Circle at searcy.circle.so. Um, And I hope you'll join us next week for another episode. Be sure to check out the other shows on the Cersei Podcast Network.